Here's a question you may have never been asked. Uh, what would you tell your friends about what's most important about life after you've risen from the dead? We have quite a few writings about the common regrets right before people die. Things like, I wish I would have stayed in touch with my friends, and I wish I had the courage to be the person I knew I was, not the person people expected me to be. Those are collected by Bronnie Ware in her fantastic book, The Five Regrets of the Dying. All very important retrospective pieces of wisdom, for sure, but those are musings before dying, not after. Jesus was an innocent man executed on a public cross, most likely naked, humiliated, mocked, and tortured. He died on that cross. He is buried in a grave. Three days later, he's resurrected from the grave. He appears to his followers and shows them the scars of being crucified. And when he says, and then he says, let me tell you how to beat your enemies and be the winner. <laughs> no, that's not, that's not what he says. But if I'm honest, doesn't that feel like the message of a lot of today's cultural Western Christianity. You know, the one obsessed with winning political power no matter what the cost. The one aligned with guns, weapons, and an ever-escalating violent war machine. The one enmeshed with a narcissistic nationalism that sees any foreign refugees as harbingers of evil versus the answer to the age-old question, who then is my neighbor? The version of Christianity, the one that dismisses any kind of health data or medical recommendations because it believes it has the power over the fragility of being human. Sometimes I think there is a version of the Christian faith that is actually disappointed in the power that Jesus gives in his resurrection. It wants the power to win in any situation, whether medical, physical, intellectual, political, not the power to forgive. What good is forgiveness in winning? We've seen this when communities of faith do ridiculous things in Jesus' name, quote unquote, displaying the cross as a symbol that their beliefs will override any kind of other beliefs, that their divinely given superpowers will trump all other powers, no matter what the collected data says. I know there are miraculous moments in recorded in our like ancient texts. I know there is a story of lion's mouths being shut as Daniel was waiting to be torn apart by these huge cats in view of their threatened leadership. But having this story in the Bible is not a template of how to plan modern events. Having a worship service in a tiger cage doesn't make it more honest and better worship service. Putting yourself and others in unnecessary risky situations, say, I don't know, during a global health crisis, isn't the point of faith. Look, the cross is not a symbol that we are now invincible to human limitations. The cross is a symbol about human limitations. That there will be things that happen to us that are horrifying and unjust. But in those situations, there is more than just those powers going on. The cross is a symbol that reminds us we will always have access to the deepest power in the universe, which is forgiveness. Jesus didn't not die. Jesus forgave. He said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. For a thousand years, the cross meant you lose to those who are under empirical rule. In fact, the early church didn't even begin using the cross as a symbol for like 300 years because it was such a devastating symbol. But eventually, I mean, it was kind of partnered with Constantine, but eventually like it was partnered with Constantine, but this also happened. Like the reality that there was a deeper power in the world, more than empirical politics and military might, 
that there is something deeper that cannot be overcome by violence and death allowed the early church to adopt a symbol of destruction as their symbol of hope. Like, think about this. On top of every church in the world is an execution device. And to co-opt an execution device and make it your symbol is real punk rock. But, But it's about forgiveness, not about winning. Like, so what is the power of forgiveness? Forgiveness is the deliberate and conscious decision to end the cycle of retributive destruction. It releases the feelings of resentment and vengeance towards a group or an individual that's harmed you. Forgiveness doesn't mean forgetting or excusing the harm done. Forgiveness isn't even a restoration of a brokenness that the harm caused. Forgiveness is the choice to not allow destructive evil to continue its parade of death in your life, in the life of others, and throughout this world. Forgiveness is the presence of God in our midst right now. The power of forgiveness is the power to squelch the death of a soul. It is the path that allows one who has been harmed to not be destroyed by the work of evil. Because like when you're harmed, you can either just harm back or choose something else. It allow, Forgiveness allows them to continue on with a life, walking towards physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being. We've seen some unbelievable acts of forgiveness of late. Most poignantly is Rachel Denhollander in her speech to the court in, con- in the conviction of longtime gymnast abuser Larry Nasser. Like I would look up, you can see clips of this online, but I would look up her full transcript of what she said in the courtroom and you will see the power greater than all powers. What she writes about forgiveness is shocking and confronting and like obliterating all kinds of powers. Like forgiveness is the power to heal, the power of justice, the power of change, the power of resurrection. Forgiveness is like actually the only thing that keeps me having hope in the world. It really is. When I get real like depressed and stuff, like forgiveness is... Like when I get real, like when I'm confronted with a lot of doubt or unbelief and just like, I don't know, I don't know. I see forgiveness poking its head up and I'm like, there's something there. There's something there. This image is from uh, Stations of the Resurrection. My illustrated me- meditations on what does resurrection do to us before we die? If resurrection's about afterlife, well, what happens before we die? this life. And I think it's inviting us to a change of perception, a change of seeing everything. So in this image, we see, this is like an image I had. uh, It's a version of an image I had, which was kind of about releasing anger. So you have this closed fist and then this open hand. And then this finger that's pointing, but also giving a place on my original one, a butterfly was there. It's about transformation. But this one is about like the peace dove there and going, I want to be I want to be an avenue for peace. I want to release my anger, open myself up and have the spirit. So Jesus in this story uh, breathes on the disciple, which is really weird, but it, it's actually uh, him embodying the spirit. The word ruah means like spirit, wind, breath. And so it's the first time where he is like saying, I'm the embodiment of the spirit, the spirit that's been invisible. Here's the breath coming to you. And what does the spirit want to give you? And what do I want to give you on the other side of dying? I want to give you the power to forgive. What you see on the other side of dying is that the greatest power in the world is the power of forgiveness. And because that is what leads to peace, which is what the divine purpose, the divine 
vocation, the divine calling is. So forgiveness is, yeah, that's why forgiveness is actually the thing that gives me hope in the world. It's the power above all powers that Jesus says is the most important after you've come back from the dead. So may you see forgiveness as your divine calling.